to the Refuge Podcast from Trinity United Methodist Church in Ruston, Louisiana. Our prayer is that God uses this time to speak specifically to you, regardless of where you are on your faith journey. We'd like to also invite you to worship with us every Sunday morning at 1045, either in person or online at www.trinityruston.org. Thanks for listening. Our lesson this morning comes from the 22nd chapter of Matthew's Gospel. First 14 verses of that chapter, hear these words. Once more, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent out his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding banquet, but they would not come. Again, he sent out other slaves saying, tell those who have been invited, look, I prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fatted calves have been slaughtered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they made light of it and went away, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his slaves and mistreated them and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his troops destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. Then he said to his slaves, The wedding is ready, but those who are invited are not worthy. Go therefore into the main streets and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad, so that the wedding hall was filled with guests." But when the king came in to see the guest, he noticed a man there who was not wearing a wedding robe. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, bind him hand and foot, throw him into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. So we preachers pay attention to you while we're preaching. We watch you for visual clues on whether or not you're still with us. And, you know, sometimes you smile and sometimes you frown and sometimes you give us other facial expression. Sometimes if the sermon lasts long enough, you drop deep into prayer. But we watch you. But in this new mask culture, I don't know what's going on behind your masks. You could be smiling. You could be frowning. You could be sticking your tongue out at me. I don't know. I need the feedback. But there's another way I get it. We preachers listen. And what I'm about to tell you, you can't tell the other church service, okay? Shh, it will be our secret. We know by listening to you if you're still listening to us. More than two coughs a minute. More than two coughs a minute, you've stopped listening to us. You know the polite church cough? (coughs) (coughs) It's that dry cough where you can't get the dust out. (coughs) If we hear more of those, two or more, in a minute, time to go straight to the benediction. Call the worship team up here. You are done. 
The other thing I want to tell you are peppermints. Who designed church peppermints? They come in these noisy, plasticky wraps and you try to unwrap them so quietly and so slowly. Listen, y'all, grip it and rip it, okay? If you hear three coughs a minute and two peppermints in a minute, it's time to pray. The sermon is over. We learn to listen. But there's another time you Methodists are very quiet. It's holy quietness. You did it this morning. After some of the songs, you wanted to clap, but you were having a moment. And God was speaking to you. And there are actually moments when I'm preaching that we get holy silence. The congregation gets absolutely quiet and I'm up here going, yeah, I got them, I got them. Drive it home, Doug. Go straight for the altar call because you got them. But sometimes you get quiet when we talk about your money. Uh Uh-oh. And Methodists assume the monetary position. And some males assume the second monetary position. You ain't getting mine, Bubba. So this morning, later on in the sermon, I'm going to make you quiet. Because I'm going to talk about your money, okay? Just relax. I promise I'm going to talk more about mine than about yours. So everybody take a deep breath. Okay, you feel better? There are other passages of Scripture that we don't know what to say. They make us silent in front of them. Um, We have another one of those nettlesome parables that Jesus is teaching in the 22nd chapter of Matthew's Gospel. It doesn't sound warm and fuzzy. The king invites people to the wedding banquet for his son, sends out the slaves and says, go tell everybody the banquet is prepared. These are people who had been previously invited, so they're not surprised by this. It does not catch them unaware. They know the king's going to have a wedding banquet for his son, and they're kind of waiting for it, but no one shows up. No one shows up. Who doesn't come to a banquet? This is Louisiana, for heaven's sakes. We lead the nation in hurricanes coming ashore and parties. We know how to throw a party in Louisiana. We will invite you. We will have all kinds of food. We are very likely to have adult beverage. We will invite you in and we will practice hospitality with you and you will just love to party. Imagine nobody shows up to the party. Nobody. And this has bugged me and I've thought about it. What if our worship service was more like a party? It's already a lot of fun, but imagine if we kicked it up a notch and went straight to the party mode. Would people then feel more comfortable coming to church? And what if we moved worship from Sunday morning and we did it at another time? And what if we moved worship to another place? Would they come then? And you 
think, well, I'm here, preacher. Yes, you are. God bless you. Thank you for being here. Your assignment next week is to invite somebody to come with you. To church? Yeah. Well, I'll have to admit I go. Shh. Right now in Lincoln Parish or prior to COVID in Lincoln Parish, prior to COVID in Lincoln Parish, that's the bottom of the buckle of the belt of the Bible belt. Okay, you can't get more, any more holier than Lincoln Parish. Trust me. I mean, you are way holier than those people that live in Beamble Parish. Lincoln Parish is on the apex of holiness and prior to COVID, prior to COVID, you remember that? Seemed like so long ago. Prior to COVID, on any given Sunday, only 19% of those people who are church members went to church. Only 19% of those who claimed they were Jesus followers were in church. What's going on here? Well, Jesus said the king threw a feast. He's having a wedding banquet for his son and nobody shows up. Why doesn't anybody show up to church anymore? Because they're doing their own things. They want God on their own terms. What do we do about it? We work harder, preacher. You just invite people. You grab them by the collar and you get their attention. You say, you better come to church. Is that going to work? No. We get creative. We have churches in different times and different places that maybe we're used to. And we learn that we're inviting people to Christ and to a party. And we see what happens. So we'll see what happens. But this king is not doing very well. As a matter of fact, he's doing so badly that the people grabbed the slaves, mistreat them, kill them, and the king was enraged. And he sent out his troops, and he destroyed those murderers, and they burned their city. And what I forgot to tell you is don't push the details of this parable. It's not an allegory. Do not make God the king. It's not an allegory. It's a parable, but don't push it because I know you're all trying to figure out where do I fit in this. So finally, the king says to the slaves, look, nobody's worthy. Go into the main streets and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. And those slaves went out into the streets and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad. So the wedding hall was filled. The wedding hall was filled. It's probably an apocryphal story, but it's told of John Wesley that in the 1700s, the Church of England did not want poor people attending because the poor people were dirty. They didn't have fancy clothes. They smelled funny. So what they did in the Church of England is they built the church up off the ground and they didn't put any steps on the front of the churches. And the only way you could get in the church is if you drove a carriage to church because only the affluent 
only the people of means had a carriage and you could step out of your carriage onto the front porch of the church and thus attend church. The radical step that John Wesley took is he put steps on his front porch so everybody could get into church. It didn't matter if you were affluent, if you were a poor person, if you had worked all night because of Wesley's steps, you could get into the church. We're called to invite everybody. To invite everybody to experience the grace of God, to experience the worship of God Almighty, to listen to singing, to hear prayers, to listen to the message. We're a community of grace. And if we were more grace-filled and graceful in our proclamation of Christ, perhaps some of those 81% of people who are doing something else would feel more comfortable in worship. There's a great story about grace. A family had a little boy, and this little boy was just, he was a busy little fellow, and one of the things he did is he got very busy coming home from school. I mean, he would play in the ponds, he would play in the creeks, he would climb the trees. He just could not get home from school on time. And his mother worried frantically about him. And she lectured him and dad lectured him and they put him in time out and they they did all kinds of things that parents will do to try to get the son to do what they want him to do. And he just wouldn't do it. He was always late coming home from school. This one particular afternoon, he was particularly late. The ponds had frogs in them, the trees had squirrels, and he needed to climb and just be a little boy. And he came in very late. When we walked in the front door, his mother was there to greet him, and she pointed the way mothers will point to the sofa. And he knew as the little boy, he was to go sit on the sofa. Mom did not say a word to him. Pointed the sofa and he sat down. Sat in silence. An hour or so later, dad came home. It was time for dinner. And mom once again pointed to the son, to his seat at the table. Not a word was spoken by either parent. And the son walked to his seat and sat down. And there on his plate for supper was one piece of bread. And up here was a glass that had water. And he looked over on his dad's plate. And there was the biggest, the thickest, the most juicy filet he had ever seen in his life. And dad had this gargantuan baked potato with everything that you're not supposed to eat with the baked potato just overflowing onto the plate. The boy, it was just drooling looking at it. Dad's sumptuous meal and his bread and water. And the dad caught his son's eye, not saying a word. 
He picked up the son's plate and he picked up his own plate and he swapped plates. As the boy grew into a man, he said that experience at that table with that meal taught him all he needed to know about God's love and grace, about the cost to the father, but about how we are all recipients, undeserved recipients of God's love and grace. That's the banquet to which we are inviting folks. That is what we are saying to our world that God's grace has forgiven you. So how do you respond to grace? Well, this fella gets invited to the banquet and the king noticed he wasn't wearing a wedding robe. He didn't have on the proper clothing. Have you ever been underdressed? This morning, a conversation broke out among worship leaders about what we dream about on Saturday night, if we all sleep on Saturday night. Number one fear of clergy and worship leaders is that you sleep through it all, that your alarm doesn't go off and you sleep. Miss church. The other thing is you, you have these dreams where you don't have what you have. Like you're leading a song and you got the words, but we don't. Or that you're preaching a sermon and somebody's got your notes. But the worst dreams those of us who are up on stage have is that we're not properly dressed. I've had horrible nightmares of preaching in my Superman pajamas. And you don't listen to me when I'm preaching in my pajamas. You laugh at me. Or the other dream where you're preaching and don't have your shoes. Nobody wants to hear a preacher preach barefooted. Have you ever had those dreams that you were underdressed? Have you ever been underdressed? I was in seminary and the first pastor I ever worked for came through New Orleans and he said, Doug, I'm in New Orleans for a convention. I'd like to take you to supper tonight. Take you to a fancy restaurant. Oh boy, where are we going? I'm going to take you to Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Man, Commander's Palace, oh, great food, wonderful atmosphere. And I was a seminary student. And when you're a seminary student, you go to National and Canal Villery and what used to be Schwegman's and you get their two generics. They've got white generic labels and yellow generic labels. And then on Thursday, you can buy the no label cans that the labels have fallen off of and they'll sell you those cans for a penny and you don't know if it's green beans corn or dog food you're taking your chance but that's what you eat in seminary because you don't have any money and we call those the good old days so I'm thinking I'm going to get a meal at commander's palace it's going to be sumptuous and wonderful he said i'll be there at seven o'clock to get you be ready i was ready put on my sport coat my slacks my shoes shirt i look really good or as good as i can look we talked got to commander's palace the valet parked the car oh the valet parked the car and in we went the pastor said I have a reservation for three. Gave his name. Maitre D looked it up. Yes, sir. 
looked at me and said, you can't come in. Didn't have on a necktie. Commander's palace requires coat and tie to eat at night. I was not properly dressed. And I was thrown out till I go get a coat and tie. You know what this is? This is rebellion against commander's palace. (laughs) This guy does not have a wedding garment and scholars drive themselves crazy with this passage of scripture. Did the king provide the garment or did the fellow have to bring the garment? And it really doesn't matter because the fellow had decided either way that he was going to do his own thing, that he was going to do it on his terms. The same thing with the 81% of people who don't come to church in Lincoln Parish. They've just decided they're going to do it their way. They're going to do God on their terms. This man is practicing ingratitude. And the king says, Buster, How did you get in here without a wedding robe? And it's the same Greek word we used about four weeks ago in the 20th chapter, the laborers in the vineyards, I'm testing your memory, where he pays them backwards and the ones that had worked all day that had agreed to the denarius are upset because they didn't get more. And the owner says, friend or buster, am I doing you no wrong? Because you agree with me for what is the usual daily wage. The same word is used and you have to wonder if these two parables aren't connected. And what connects them is the ingratitude of those receiving grace. How do you respond to grace? Generosity. You want to grow stronger faith, stronger families, stronger finances, you learn to be generous. Listen, you just can't get around generosity. Jesus said, give and it will be given you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your lap for what? The measure you give will be the measure you get back. There's a reciprocal notion here. Miriam Savage in her testimony didn't use the word tithing, but I'm going to use the word tithing. And the Methodist reached around to their wallets and go, "Uh uh-oh, he done talking about money now. Yes, I'm going to talk about tithing for just a minute. And I'm going to give you a challenge. Back in Malachi, it's in the Old Testament. Since we love the Old Testament, prophet Malachi asked the folks, will you rob God? People go, wait a minute, rob God. Where is that in the Bible? It's Malachi 3.8. Will you rob God? Are you robbing me? But you say, how are we robbing you? And God responds back through your tithes and offerings. Then Malachi 3.10, bring the full tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and thus put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out an overflowing blessing. What did God say? Put me to the test. I didn't think you were supposed to test God. Malachi 3.10, put me to the test. See if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you an overflowing blessing. First job I ever had, I was 14 years old. I worked for my grandfather and for another man in the town who was also a fireman with my grandfather. 
they had a air conditioning and refrigeration and washer and dryer repairing business. And as a 14-year-old, I was in charge of toting. Toting the washer and dryers in and out, toting the air conditioners in and out, toting the motors up and down. Just call Doug, he'll carry it. And my mother told me, look, son, you do a good job when you work. You work hard, you do what they tell you to do, you don't complain, do a good job. Yes, ma'am. So my grandfather called me on a Friday and he said, your first paycheck's ready, come by the house and get it. Yes, sir. Got to his house, he handed me a paycheck, $9.60. That was more money than ever was created on the face of the earth or that I'd ever had, $9.60. Now, y'all, I grew up Poe. We were so Poe, we couldn't afford the other two letters to be poor. We were Poe. But my mother taught us that you're to give because God has blessed you. And so every Sunday we would go to church, mom would put a quarter in the little envelope and the offering place would come by and we would put the quarter, our offering and the offering plate and the preacher preached on tithing. Man, I, I, was, a, I was a little tight, but I knew what tithing was and I knew the, the math involved was really easy because all you had to do was move decimals. So I knew. And I could not wait to get to Sunday that first Sunday after my $9.60 paycheck as I put a dollar in the offering plate, I finally had arrived at the point where I could tithe, where I could give as God had commanded. And since that point, as a 14-year-old boy, I have tithed. That's just the start. Every year, Tamara and I end up giving a little more than that. And if you haven't been involved in this spiritual discipline, I encourage you and invite you to try it. Tithing. The math is really easy. A tenth off the top. But here's my challenge for you. And I've done this for years and years and years. You ready? If you don't tithe and you start, uh, for some of you, just giving to the church is going to take a humongous start. I invite you to try that, to start, take a step. But this is specific to tithing. If you don't tithe and you start, 10% off the top, and you give it to the church, that's not... 3% to the ASPCA and 3% to St. Jude's and 1% to the Shriners Hospital. It's 10% to the church. So you start doing it. If after six months of doing that, God has not blessed your life. God has not blessed your life. If that happens to you, you tell me I'll never preach tithing again. 
ever. Because it was God that said, put me to the test. Bring the full tithes into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and thus put me to the test, says the Lord, and see if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you an overflowing blessing. How do you respond to grace? One of the ways I respond is by being generous. How do you respond? And Trinity has such a great history of being generous, of giving to the church, of giving to other causes, of putting their hands to the plow, as it were, and changing lives through mission and ministry and hard work. In so many ways, for so many years, you've responded generously to God's grace. And I challenge you in this year, to again, as you bring your commitment cards back on the 25th of October, to be generous. See how quiet you got? You got quiet. Why is that? I pray that God has laid generosity on your hearts this morning. Would you stand and pray with me? We thank you for your love and grace, O God, that surrounds us. And we pray that as we respond, we would respond with generosity, that we would be generous with our time, our talents, our prayers, our gifts, and our witness so that others might come to know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Refuge Podcast. To find out more about The Refuge and Trinity, visit us online at www.trinityruston.org.